You know, it really was a powerful um, night. You know, we've never done anything like that. And um, I tell people when they ask me, you know, what kind of church is Antioch? I say, you know, I think I describe us as like a blue-colored church, uh, meaning we're willing to go out into the cold, the wet, the mud to do a, a big church event, right? And um, I, I love that about our people. And honestly, you know, uh, we were uh, getting the tent set up and the chairs, and someone came and. They said, wow, there's 500 chairs here. That's a lot of chairs, you know? And, um, you know, we're, we're a church of about 1,000 people total, um, uh, kind of on, on average. And um, anyways, we were talking, and they are like, man, you guys got big faith for tonight, you know? And yeah, we maybe were a little overzealous, but honestly, when we got there and the thing started, I mean, that tent was full. It literally was full. There's 450-plus people in the tent and it was muddy, and if you were in a chair, it was literally sinking into the earth. Uh, but I'm telling you, there's something prophetic about it, really, that like God was actually initiating with us to, hey, this night, this night that you are consecrating as a people on this land, I'm literally going to sink you into the mud, uh, because I want you to know it's a journey, right? Like it's not all, it's not just gold streets, that, that, that'll be in heaven, we don't have those here, all right? We're, we're not, like, there is, there is work to be done, and we as a people are gonna have to put the sweat equity in in order to see this thing happen, and that's really the way the kingdom. So I just loved how we were able to capture some of that night if you are with us, and if you weren't there, you could kind of get a sense of what, what we experienced. We you know, as Chris just shared briefly, you know, we have this, this logo of the OWN Initiative. You may think, oh, they just kind of thought of just kind of three-circle thing and just kind of, you know, they just made this up. Well, we actually put a lot of thought into this, uh, uh, just so you know, and I realized I had never described it to you. See, the heart behind this whole initiative is, is that there are three parts that make up the whole, okay? Meaning that we have to own, own your pursuit of Jesus means if you don't own your faith, if you don't understand who Jesus is and really begin to read the Bible for yourself and to take responsibility for your faith, that it's not our responsibility or someone else's, that it's yours, then that's a huge piece of the whole, a huge piece of the pie, so to speak, that leaves a gaping hole. But if you don't start there, then you can't move on to owning your place at his mission, right? And so you can't actually find a place in the body of Christ if you don't know Christ. And so that is part two of this whole initiative is that you actually have to be a people who are going to consistently serve and contribute and be a part of what God is doing. And then part three is another necessary part, right? That part three is to own the price of progress, right, by committing to radical generosity. And we're going to talk more about that today again. But I want you to know all three of those parts matter. Like with only two of the three, it doesn't work, right? Um, if someone wrote us a check for $20 million today, um, that, that would not accomplish the goal because actually, even if we had a brand new spanking building today, we wouldn't be able to go into it and actually uh, take it on and to take on what God has for us because we'd be overrun. We're not ready. We're not ready structurally. We're not ready staffing. We're not ready as a people yet. And so this next two years is actually a readiness. It's a journey God has on to be ready because we actually need to have more than just a few actually owning the word of God for themselves. You know, we need to have more than just a few willing to wake up and to give the early part of their day and their devotional life of Jesus and to worship and to pray and to connect with him. We need to have more than just a few serving, right? We shared a survey a few, a few weeks ago. It was just around 30% of the people in this church when surveyed back in November actually said they serve at least one time a month. 30%, which means 70% of the people who are here in this room don't serve ever. And that's okay, um, if we just want to be a stagnating church, 
That's not okay if we actually want to grow and step into the things of God, right? We, we didn't start this just so we can just be another church, right? We actually want to be a shaping, moving, uh, uh, creating wave, so to speak, pushing back the darkness kind of church. And you can't do that if only 30% of the people are willing to put their shoulders into it, right? And so every part of this initiative matters. There's not one that doesn't matter. They all three work together. And this morning, I just thought it'd be helpful before we step into a moment here in just a little while, we're going to give ourselves a, a, a chance to have a really cool moment this morning, which really is us taking that sacrificial step of generosity to fill out commitment cards and put them in these boxes. We've been talking about it leading up to this moment, but we've done it here on the back end because we want you to know the heart of what we're doing as a church, that, that money is a part of it, but it's not the thing. Do you understand me? Like, the reason why we've actually gone on a journey for five weeks, and actually for six months, it started back before that, and meeting different people in this church has let you know, this is the heart of God, this is where we're going, and yes, this is a necessary part of it, and I would actually argue that this is actually a part of our spiritual development. When you're able to sacrifice and to serve and to give, it actually does something in you, it grows you as well. But I thought before we get into that moment, I would just kind of maybe take on a couple of questions or thoughts that maybe you have been having, right? So I pulled in some of our team and just said, hey, what are the things that people want to know that they don't know? Or maybe questions they have about the own initiative that maybe is kind of potentially a hindrance for them fully engaging and committing to it. And I just wanna say, questions are good. Like you need to be the kind of person to actually ask questions, right? Um, and, 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 and God is okay with our questions. In the end, it needs to land with yes, sir, Lord, <laughs> right? But he's okay with the journey, just like a child, right? Like, we've got to be able to ask questions to better understand. And so I just want to answer a few questions today that may help us in our journey. These are things that maybe I have known or some of us have known, but realizing the whole of us are maybe not brought in the loop on this. And so this is our, our attempt, so to speak, to try to bring us in the loop on a couple things, all right? So here we go. The first one would be this. How will the church facility further the Great Commission, Right? How will the church facility further the Great Commission? Well, first it starts with that the church is the hope of the world, right? Not a government, not a particular country, not a business. The church, the church is actually the longest lasting organization on planet Earth. Did you know that? It has outlasted every dynasty, every empire, every political power. The church is 2,000 years in. And you know what I do know too? I don't know about everything else, but what I do know is that the church will remain to the end. Because Jesus Christ is coming back one day for his church. And so his church is gonna be there at the end. I don't know who's all gonna be part of it. I plan on being part of that, right? But he's coming back for his church. So the church is God's plan A for bringing about his glory and his transformation and his love and his kingdom to planet Earth is through the people of God called the church. And so how will this church facility further the Great Commission? Ashley and I, when we, um, several years ago, when we got married, we, we sat down and began asking this question. We said, God, where do you want us to live and what do you want us to do that's going to be most effective for the kingdom of God? Or another way to say it is, God, how can we move the Great Commission forward? Where do you want us and what do you want us to do? And in that particular early season of our lives, he said, I want you to plant yourself in Waco, Texas, and I want you to lead a young adult life group, and I want you to work in the mortgage industry, and I want you to be a jewelry sales rep. That's what we did. So we bought a house, we synced in, and we thought, we'll be here the next 20 years. We're in. 
Well, if you follow Jesus, you also gotta live every year open-handed, right? All right, Lord, this is what you said this year. We are in, but is there something else you wanna say? And eventually, three years into our marriage, unknowns to us, God was making moves and planning for us to eventually come to plant a church here. And when we look back at that time and saying, man, why did we land here? You know, we had opportunities to go to Uganda. We had opportunities to go to Sheffield, England to be part of church planning. We had opportunities to go to Austin, Texas, where my family is at, to be part of the family construction business, right? We had opportunities to go to Houston to be part of things. There were opportunities to go around in different places, and they were all great ideas. But none of those landed with the word of the Lord for us, what he was calling us into. And so when the invitation came, we prayed through it to plant the church here. We also said, okay, God, if we're gonna move to Bryan College Station, what is our emphasis? What is our focus? And the Lord said, you see that big university over there? It's got 67,000 people. I want you to go there and I want you to start there. So the first three, four years of our church, guys, we met at the Hilton Hotel, not because we're like, not because I own stock in the Hilton or something. It's literally because it's the only place that opened their doors. Not a single school in College Station ISD opened the doors to us. One school, elementary school, in Bryan ISD was maybe gonna open their doors to us, and every other hotel didn't open their doors to us. We literally had no open doors to meet or gather on a Sunday morning. Would you believe that? But the Hilton, it was like the blessing of God. They even have a Starbucks inside, right? We started meeting. That's why we met at the Hilton, just so you know. And we initially went after college students. Why? Because we wanted to uh, be the most wealthy, prosperous church in America? No, because God said, go after the college students. So we did. And those college students got bought in. Some of them stayed around. Some of them got married. Some of them started having babies. And some of them are here today in our church because we met you and ministered to you in college. Right? And so God said, I want you to get the young people. And who knows in this room, wouldn't you have rather met Jesus in college than later on in life? If you met him afterwards, if you go back in time, man, I wish I knew him then. Save me a lot of pain, a lot of heartache, a lot of trouble if I would have known Jesus then. We are committed to reaching students, but not only students. But God said, that's where I want you to start. And we're continuing to do that today. But God called us to come to this place and to say, look, you look for the hungry. You look for those that want to follow me. You start gathering them, loving them, discipling them, train them, and send them out into the four corners of Texas and the four corners of the earth. That is your mission and that is your job. Some will stay here and some will go but your calling is to gather people in, to train them, disciple them, and to let them be a blessing elsewhere. If I could only tell you how many people have come through this church the last 10 years, and that are in different cities all across America, and different nations all over the world, it'd be a very long Sunday. But there are people that we have been able to touch and impact their lives in that way. We will continue to do so. And that's why this facility will be an avenue for us to continue to do that, because the bottom line, guys, is that we are committed to the local and the global. Like the Great Commission is actually a local and global thing, right? And, and, and I mean, if you remember, Jesus said to his disciples in Acts 1, he said, hey, <clears throat> you're gonna go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other parts of the earth. That's all those places. It's, hey, your city you're in, the region you're in, the state you're in, the country you're in, and all the other places all over the world. So we're gonna be part of that journey too, but we can't actually touch the global if we don't go after the local, right? So we actually, like each of these chairs, if you think about it this way, Every chair actually correlates to another person that has the potential to be brought into a church community, a life-giving relationship with Jesus, to be brought into discipleship, given opportunity to serve, understand who they are in Christ, to start going on the journey of figuring out what has God called them to, and then we get to get behind them as a people to then bless them, pray for them, commission them, send them, get behind them, hug them, love them, and be here when they come back. That's the kind of people we are. 
So every single chair is actually connected to a global connection. If you look at, because there's only 50 chairs in here, some of you guys aren't getting in today, right? And it's like, sorry, man, I know you're hungry, but you can't get in. So we are committed to that, and that's why a facility that's going to allow us to enlarge and create more space and more opportunities will be good for us as a people, allow us to stay in line with the vision. Second question would be this. Why do we need a new facility when we already have one? It's a great question, right? It's like if you've already got a house, why do you need a second house, you know? Um, so let me share this way. Um, this facility has been great. If you don't know our history, we're at the Hilton Hotel. 2013, we came to this building. When we got here at the time, this auditorium sat 300 chairs, roughly, about 300. And if you see there's a little dark carpet line here, we actually knocked that wall down on an Easter weekend once. And so we knocked that down and expanded it to 500 chairs. We're now up to 500, okay? And then there's a wall over here. This used to be, you guys are sitting where the bathroom was, right over here in the corner, you guys. And y'all are sitting over here where there's tile floors before, and y'all are sitting where there's a closet, okay? And so this whole area over here, uh, was actually a whole other space, and we went with this city and said, hey, can we expand a little bit more? And they said, yes, but you can't go any further. So we went to here, now we got about 700 chairs in this room. So we made this room as big as possible, went to the city, they said, great, we'll sign off on that. The fire marshal said, you had any more seats and I'm shutting you down, and we said, yes, sir. So this is it. We can never get any bigger, period, because of the spatial issue, the number of bathrooms we have, the size of the parking lot. And for the first several years, man, this building was awesome and it allowed us to continue to grow, right? But, um, you know, when you start running out of space, which we did around 2017, 2018, you start to plateau a little bit. So actually, our church, from life groups to children to Sunday mornings, have actually plateaued on some level because actually for the first time in our church's history, the facilities and the parking became a hindrance, which it never was like that before. And we realized, oh my goodness, there's only so many parking spots out there. They actually redid the parking lot like three or four years ago, and they made it even smaller because they had to create all these medians and stuff. And so now it's like the bingo hall and us competing for space, you know, and like an evening event, you know. And there are landlords, so we got to kind of honor them and figure that out, right? And, and so we actually came to this place where, like, if we had 2,000 seats in here, right, and we just did this, like, mass outreach to the city, they couldn't all come because they, literally, they literally couldn't park here. And not only that, but we're actually limited to what we can do because of the parking situation, because it's a shared space between us and about 15 other businesses. Does that make sense? So why do we need to get this facility? Because literally, we are capped. We're capped at our growth. You look around this morning, hey, there's some empty chairs here, and that's true. But, but do you know the reality in the church world is that when someone walks in a room and it's 70 to 80% full, it's full to them. And so if you're here and you've been here for a while, you have some trust built with people. You know, you have some relational equity built in with people. But if you don't have that and you're coming in for like the first time, it's really hard to jump through those hoops, right? We've actually had um, people that have come to visit and they've got maybe a two-year-old son or daughter and they go back to our children's ministry and try to check him in with the tournament way, especially at the nine o'clock to say, sorry, we've got too many kids in here. So what would you say if you're a family you haven't gone to church for months, and you're going to give this Antioch place a try. You're feeling a little spiritually hungry. You're trying to, trying to work out stuff in my life. I want to go to church. And you get all dressed up. You get ready to go. And actually say, sorry, there's no room for your kids. Does that put a good taste in your mouth or a bad taste? <laughs> it's not our intent, but it puts a bad taste, right? What if you pull in, and it's September, and you're a college student, and you're all psyched up, man. You're going to come check out Antioch, and you roll in, and you're three minutes late because of a long traffic light, and you pull in, and you're like, there's nowhere to park. 
There's literally nowhere to park. And then you just, well, we'll just go get coffee and go do something. We'll try again another time. Our parking situation and this situation with our church is hindering us from gathering people. And our whole calling as a church really, in many ways, is in line with Isaiah 54, 2 and 3. It says this, enlarge the place of your tent, stretch out the curtains of your dwellings, spare not, lengthen your cords and strengthen your pegs, for you will spread abroad to the right and to the left, and your descendants will possess nations and will resettle the desolate cities. That passage has been a key passage for Antioch, for the Antioch churches for over 25 years. That really is who we are. We're not called to just get smaller. We're actually called to get larger, but not for large sake, but because there's more people that are dying and hurting who need Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, there, there's, just so you know, there's not like a global empire we're trying to build. You're not gonna see my face on a billboard ever. You know, like, it's just not gonna happen. I, I don't even have social media so that you can't tag me on anything. Like, on purpose. Like, on purpose, we're trying to be a nameless and faceless people. Do you understand that? Do you understand how rare that is in the church world? That we actually don't, we have to have a name because if not, we just say, just go to the church over there, you're gonna get confused. We gotta have a name, okay? So, but honestly, it is about Jesus and his kingdom. And there are tens of thousands of people in our city that are unreached, unchurched, and I know this may be shocking, there are several people in our city who've actually never had someone share the gospel with them, explain Jesus to them, understand their sins can be forgiven, or there's even a place called a church of people that can actually love you. Because they only know from a past experience that was hurtful, or they have no experience. And we're trying to say, no, no, no. We're gonna be a place where people can come in and they know can, they can become family. That's a journey that we're on, but man, I'm tired of us sending people away. I'm tired of us having a room where we put all the first through sixth graders in the same room. Did, did, like, was your, was your class like that? Like, did you have, literally, did you have, like, seven-year-olds up to 13-year-olds, like, in the same classroom in school? No, you didn't, unless you were in school 1905, okay? Like, you know, I, I get it. Like, Little House in the Prairie, one school room, I get it, okay? But you weren't in that school. Why not? That doesn't exist anymore, because that's not a good idea. We've moved on, you know? It's like, it's better. Age-appropriate teaching. And if you're a teacher in here, you're like, you don't want that room of six years gap. You don't want to try to teach that. Two years is enough. Six, you're quitting mid-semester, okay? I'm telling you, there are things, when families come in, they're like, wow, I get to drop off all three of my kids in the same room? That's interesting. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, let's move along to the sanctuary. We'd like some coffee, you know? <laughs> I mean, guys, I'm, I have kids in there. And we are working, and we're doing a great job as best we can, but the reality is space is space, and it matters, all right? Here we go. All right, we're going to start preaching now. <laughs> okay, I'm fired up about this. So um, what opportunities exist for the church in the, in the, uh, moving forward, right? So when we move to these eight acres, let me just show you really quick where we're moving to. This is going to get you excited. If we got that graphic with the map dealy on it. Um, all right, so here we go. All right, so a little dot is where our new church land is. If you don't know what that is, think of where the Barracks townhomes are off of Holloman, South College Station. Um, if you can see that the one-mile radius and then the two-mile, right? The two-mile literally is, is almost getting us all the way to A&M. A&M is actually 2.4 miles away from that little dot. So we're just, it's just beyond us. But if you look at these two circles, I want to point out to you two things. We did the research again this week, and here's what we found. Inside the one-mile radius, there are zero churches inside one-mile radius. 
Okay, zero, all right? And so the two-mile radius, there's, I think, six churches plus us will be one, so that'll make seven. So seven churches within that two-mile radius. Um, I don't have the exact numbers yet. We're working on it. But our best guess is that within those two-mile radius, there's at least 30,000 people, maybe 40,000 people that live in that two-mile radius. Across the street from our church lane, you can't see it, but if you zoom in, there's literally a place called Mission Ranch across the street. It's a 550-lot development that's mainly for family housing that's just starting. So 550 families are going to be living across the street. If you don't know the Barracks townhomes and all these other apartment complexes around the area, there's at least 15 or 20 of them. They've got anywhere between 200 and 2,000 college students living in them and these apartment complexes. And so when God gave us this land in 2016 to the generosity of someone actually donating this land to us, which was an incredible gift, we had no idea we were stepping into the part of our town that's being developed and where the church isn't. That's why I don't want to have a church on Highway 6. There's lots of churches there, and I bless them, and I get to pray for them. I know people who go to those churches. But I didn't want to be a church next to the other churches. I want to go where the church isn't. The church isn't here. We're on the other side of the track. Something about that just sounds fun. It's like, we're the only, it's like, where are you? We're across the tracks. We're that only church across the tracks over there. We literally are across the tracks, okay? So this is us. This is gonna be our home, right? And so I wanna show you that so you can see and look ahead the future to say, oh, we're going to a place where the church doesn't exist, where we're gonna have access to families and to students. Man, that's our calling. That's who God has called us to, and we're so excited about getting there. You know, a couple opportunities for us when we get to this place, this facility, one day. Um, you know, our desire has been to have equipping classes on Sunday mornings. We can equip you in finances and marriage and parenting and, and budgeting things. We can equip you in spiritual gifts and how to hear God and how to really study the Bible and go through the narratives of the Old and New Testament. We can equip you in all sorts of different things. But the truth is, we don't have the space to do it. We have this garage area, if you've been back there, we have to use a garage area for lots of different things, okay? That's it. Every room is used on a Sunday morning. So we actually want to provide some smaller group equipping environments, and we can't do that literally because we're in a building that doesn't allow for that. Let alone, we need more kids' rooms for our children so that we don't cram them all in in the same age groups. Another opportunity is that in our future facility, we're wanting to create a kind of indoor-outdoor space, more or less, where there can be a space outside we can gather together, whether it's mom's groups hanging out, college students doing a concert night, free coffee giveaway, outreaches, or doing stuff around Halloween or whatever it's gonna look like. We will have opportunities as a church because we will own that parking lot and have a space that's created to actually be a draw and attractive space. We want the future facility to not be something you just show up to Sunday morning. We want it to actually be a place that people want to go to. They want to hang out. They want to go discipleship. They want to go have business meetings. They want to be there. That is the desire as it'll attract people because we know the presence of God will be there with us. And when people enter onto that land, we're expecting them to sense something different and have opportunity to minister to them and love them. So if we just get them on the land, we know God will do the rest. That's our desire, right? And so we're gonna build a space that you're gonna like and that you're gonna wanna hang out at and you're gonna love inviting people to come to. That's our desire as we continue to do that. Um, there's a bunch of other things I could share, but I just want to say this. If you're wondering, hey, do we have a full building design? The answer is no. We have preliminary things that we put together because we needed to know would all this actually fit on this land, right? And so on eight acres, we figured it out. We sliced and diced it. We can put the parking lot. We can put other pieces on there. 
put the facility we need to do, and we're going to be working that through with architects and engineers over the next year or so, uh, and we'll be able to update you on that later on. But we also want to get some of your input as well. And so we're going to be reaching out to different age groups to try to get a sample size and say, hey, what would you like to see in a facility? What is, what is God speaking to you? What do you not like? All those sort of things, because you're part of this, right? So I, we, we're involving you, not just on this whole owning initiative, but literally owning the concept, the design, the desires of the building and the uses of it so that we can have something that we're proud of that honors the Lord and the community around us. All right, the last question I'm gonna answer for us, there could be many more, but just this last one, and then we'll shift gears here in just a moment. Um, a question you may be asking, I know that I asked when I was in college, was, um, you know, why should I give to a church if I'm not gonna be here very long, right? So let's say you're a college student and you're graduating in the next year or two, or you're a PhD student and you're just here for a four or five-year window, or maybe you've got a job already and you're wondering, hey, I'm just kind of in a kind of early entry job and I'd like to move to Houston or Dallas or somewhere else one day, um, and you're thinking, hey, I'm only here for a short time, like, should I give to something if I'm not gonna be here maybe when it's built one day, right? Um, and I just wanna say that's a valid question, but I, I wanna shed some light on maybe a mindset that maybe some of us carry that's a little off, you know? Um, you know, Galatians 6, 7 says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. A man reaps what he sows. You know, there's this principle in the, in the Bible, Old New Testament, it's called the principle of sowing and reaping, right? And um, it's this kingdom principle, really coming from the, from the agricultural side of when you sow seed, you actually can reap a harvest. But who knows, you can't have any corn grow if there's no seed. It's not gonna happen. You can wish all you want, you can pray all you want, you can hope all you want. There's no seed, there ain't gonna be any corn, okay? And the reality is, is in our lives that God's kind of position is to be people to say, you know what, what you sow into, you will reap from. And I firmly believe many times there's a reaping in this life, but most in the life to come, like eternally. And if your sights aren't set eternally, then you just think you just think earthly, and you just think, what's the benefit for me in the here and now, right? And so I would answer the question if you said, well, why should I get to something that I'm not gonna directly benefit from or won't be here to enjoy? Then I would ask the question, well, then, should you ever pray for someone? Um, should you ever go on a mission trip and share the gospel with somebody you'll never meet again? Uh, should you ever bless your waiter or tip them really well if you don't see them again? Like, what's the point of doing anything to anyone at any time if you're not gonna directly benefit for it for the long term? And I think if you have that mindset, I just wanna challenge us, that's a worldly mindset. It's not biblical. Because a worldly mindset says, I only do things for me. That's called narcissism, humanism, and everything else. It has that ism in front of it, okay? And so, like, really what that is, it's saying this is about my glory. And we live in a day and age to where people are actually more interested in their own glory instead of the glory of God. Right, but, but remember, Paul and Jesus and Peter and the whole gang, guess what? They said everything we do, we do because the Father's doing it. Everything we do, we wanna give glory to the Father, right? Whether you sleep, er, uh, sleep er, work, play, eat, exercise, work, do it all for the glory of God. Like everything we do should be for the glory of God. It never says for the glory of man. Ever, ever, ever. Which means actually, there's actually a greater benefit Biblically, and I love you, the promise of God, a greater benefit to actually giving to the things that you won't get to reap anything from in this life. The eternal glory, man, I'd much rather sow into things that I don't get to have a direct benefit of. It's kind of like loving your enemies. That's in the Bible, right? Jesus said, love your enemies. It doesn't make sense. He said, loving people that love you back is very easy. Anyone can do that. Love people that hate you, 
That's kingdom. So guys, sowing into things that maybe you won't benefit from directly, that is actually a kingdom mindset. And just to take it to a personal level, um, you know, Philippians 2, 4 through 5 says, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. I tell people, you know, remember the seat you're sitting in, someone else paid for it. You didn't. This building you're in, someone else paid $100,000 to renovate the sanctuary, but you get to enjoy it. Um, 10 years ago, there's a host of supporters, friends and family that actually gave financially to Ashley and I so we could move our lives down here and do this full time to start a church. Someone else gave that you will never meet and they'll never meet you. But you know what they said? They had a vision for, you know what? I'd like to get behind something that I believe is gonna transform people's lives in Bryan College Station, even though I will never visit your church or never meet one of them. Do you see someone else sewed in so you could actually be here, so this church would exist? If that didn't happen, we wouldn't be here. So if your mindset is, I only give to things that I directly benefit from, it's a worldly mindset. And God is wanting to challenge you, and me too, to say, man, shift your heart. Shift your heart. Don't live that way. This isn't just about the church. This is about life. This is life in general. If you only do things that directly benefit you, it's a self-serving versus a sacrificial offering. Amen? So here we go. I want to invite the band on up. And um, in just a moment, we're going to get a chance to respond. And um, if you look beneath your seat, you've got a commitment card. Uh, if you would go and grab that, and if you're with us at the Advanced Commitment Night, I actually want you to grab one again, because as we were kind of praying through and talking through as a team, as amazing as that event was, we actually just said, you know what, we want to do it all together on Sunday morning. We just did it at the 9 o'clock. We want to commit together as the people of God to say, you know what, we're going to commit again. We're in. And so even if you've already filled a card out or dropped it off, we're asking you to just fill it out uh, again and, and put your name on there and got a little slide to show you really the main thing we're needing on these commitment cards is your name and then your final number, which is in that circled red part. The, the little calculations there just to help you. Uh, but again, what we're inviting people into is <clears throat> kind of a few different categories. So if you're here this morning and you're saying, you know what, this is my first time at Antioch. I just showed up because a buddy from work invited me. I had no idea what I was stepping into. I just want to say we've never done this before in 10 years. So surprise Sunday for you. Um, but, but two, I think you get to see the heart of who we are as a people. So I think it's very helpful. This is where we're going. We're not gonna be finicky talking about money because money's needed in order to actually move things forward, okay? But I just want you to know that if you're here for the first time, I don't need you filling out a commitment card. That'd be very awkward. Don't do that, okay? And next week, come back. Don't fill that one out then. Just fill out a connect card so we can get involved with you and pull you into life group. That's our goal, okay? If you've been here for a while, but maybe you've never given to us as a church or at any church, I would challenge you to maybe take a step of faith to actually start giving, start somewhere. Some of this room, you've never given to the church. You may give to a nonprofit or you may support a, 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 an orphan somewhere in Africa or you may like to buy Toms because you get to have a pair and someone else gets a pair too, okay? But I'm just telling you, like, if you've never given to the church, the church will outlast Toms. They, they don't last very long anyways, right? But um. I've, I've had some pairs, you know, just like all shoes. But I, I'm wanting you to understand that, like, what we're sewing into is eternal. The organization you're sewing into, be it this church or another, it is the church. Even though the church is messy, you know why it's messy? It's not because of Jesus. It's because of you and me. <laughs> we're the mess. 
We're the broken people. We've got the problems. He's perfect and good. We can trust him. And so if you're here and you haven't given before, I would encourage you to maybe step out in faith and commit. And what you're committing to is for the next two years. So what you're writing that number is that two-year commitment. It's not just this year. It's not what I give monthly. It's, hey, for the next two years, what could I commit to give? And, um, and then the, the, the last group is people that are already faithfully giving. Maybe you're already tithing 10% or you're giving in some realm and, and you're already doing that. And we would ask, hey, would you take a step of faith to not just give what you've already been giving, but to go above and beyond that? Because own it is about us owning the price of progress together. And you can't really be an owner if you don't engage in all three levels, right? Like if you just read your Bible but you don't serve, you're only engaging in one part. If you just serve in our children's ministry but don't read your Bible, spend time with the Lord, you're serving in one part. If you just give this morning and you, uh, but, but then you don't serve and you don't follow, you're not really getting in the word, then like all of a sudden now what we're realizing is that you're just doing one part, right? But really what God is inviting you into this morning is be part of all three parts. And this step, a lot of times it comes to our finances, is one of the most challenging steps for us to step into to commit, right? Because it's finances, it's money, it can be sticky. But I want you to know that it's an invitation from God for us to really show him where our true treasure lies. And that's when you're giving today. So what we're gonna do is just take a moment and um, we're just gonna pray and, and just ask the Lord, Lord, what's the number you want me to give? And for us personally as a family, we, at Advanced Commitment Night, we were... Um, there together with all of our kids, and we went around, and we said, Ethan, what, is, what do you feel like you're supposed to give? And he gave us a number, and Graham gave us a number, and Evelyn and Gwyneth Madeline can't talk very good, so she didn't do that. And we got their numbers, and we wrote them down. Ashley, what's her number? And me, and we add them all up. So that's a big number. <laughs> and we said, that's the biggest number we've ever given, period. And we looked at each other, and I was like, I don't even know how we're gonna do that. But we're gonna commit to it. If we will step out in faith, God will provide. So I'm letting you know, church, we are fully in with two steps. I'm not asking you to do something I'm not willing to do more. I'm, I'm going to sacrifice maybe more than all of you because I care and I have to lead. Our family is leading out. The Pletcher family is leading out. Others, we are, we are in. And just before we end here and go to this moment, I just want you to know, God doesn't need your money. I don't need your money but we are inviting you to be a part of something. Because if you don't give, he'll find another way. He will. There could be someone show up next week with a $5 million check. Here you go. And just, oh. <laughs> but he's inviting us on a journey together. If you opt out of the journey, that's fine, but you're gonna miss out, right? But he's inviting you to partner to say, no, 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 I wanna be a part of this thing. And last, I just wanna share this passage that kind of really captures the heart of why we're doing this in the first place. Why are we doing the own it initiative, period, you know? I love this story I shared a few weeks ago. It's in Luke chapter five, verse 18 through 20. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. Do you see what happened? A few friends said, I know this Jesus, and he can heal our buddy. So they pick up the paralyzed man, they get to the house, and they realize the house is too crowded because Jesus is like so popular at this time. 
He's healing diseases. He's sharing the good news. They literally can't get in this house. Can you imagine these guys? They're like, no. But they say, no, we're gonna find a way. I don't know if they had a ladder, created an Egyptian pulley system, or what. But in a few moments, they found a way to get their paralyzed buddy up on that roof and then had the, had the gumption to remove the tiles of this person's roof and to look down this big crowd in Jesus and said, we are lowering him down because we will do whatever it takes to get our buddy to Jesus because Jesus can heal him. They lower him down. Jesus heals this man, says, get up and walk. But you know, I think his buddies thought he was just gonna get healed. They didn't know he was gonna get saved. So what ends up happening in a powerful moment is because of the friend's faith, Jesus says, because of you guys, his sins are forgiven. Because of you guys, you made a way for him to be healed. So when someone asked me, why are you guys building a building? Why are you doing this own initiative? Why, why, why? I say, because we're trying to make a way for that guy. It's about him and them. It's not about you and me. I love our kids. I want them to have better, better classrooms. I love our worship team. I want them to have everything they need to do it. I want to have a more space for you to be equipped in. But ultimately, you guys are all secondary. Because the primary objective is the lost and the broken and the hurting that are dying in this world and have no Jesus to cling to, that are leaving this world and have no church experience to come to. We want to redeem people's brokenness. And you can through the power of Jesus. So when I'm asking you to give today, I'm ultimately asking you to give for that paralyzed guy who's not here yet. So that when they do show up, they say there's room there. That's our heart's desire, amen? So that's how we're gonna land. I just want you to take a few moments, <clears throat> take your card out, and if you're not ready to fill one out, man, that's great. I don't want you to give unless there's joy in your heart to do it. God loves a cheerful giver. But if you're ready and you're saying, you know what? No, we're in. We're ready to do this thing. We're ready to take a step. Whether it's a lot or a little, I want to encourage you to put your name on that. Put it in this box. Just a moment. We'll instruct you to do that. We're going to do it together as a family. Amen? Just take a few minutes just to pray, ask God, fill out the card, and then we'll go from there.